There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, listeners. This is Ruben Kay. We have a little bit of sad news. Uh, in season one of Come to Daddy, you would have heard perhaps a light snuffling or perhaps a constant low-level drone in the background that was, of course, friend of the pod and load-bearing pillar of Come to Daddy, Velma the Aging Pug, 15 years old with no eyes and a tongue that slowly hung out of her mouth, which meant sometimes you didn't really know which end of Velma was which until you bent down to kiss it and realised you'd smooched a hemorrhoid. Velma has sadly passed on to that great pram in the sky. Uh, we wish you well, Velma. We will miss you terribly, but remember you wonderfully. I meant to have written some things here, Amanda, and because I was running around, I didn't do it here, but I'm going to riff this right now. One second. <laughs> I want to hear more of that. This humming is really nice. Yeah, it's really just me just trying to think of these things. It's an avant-garde jazz um, podcast. We're just bebopping our way yeah. through trauma. <laughs> This is, oh, there we go. This has come to Daddy with Ruben K, the podcast for people who are so middle class in their therapy, they bebop their way through trauma. <laughs> How's that? So what's going on in the Come to Daddy podcast? I am in Australia. It's the scene of all my childhood trauma, uh, but then do we ever really grow up? I'm at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, surrounded by the creme de la creme of comedy, and some of it has already curdled. Everyone who's anyone is here, and that's why my producer Amanda Sangorski isn't. She's trapped in the Tory nightmare that is, or was, England. Amanda, how are you doing? Hi, hello, from the island of uh, Dr Moreau. Even though Ruben just slated my professional reputation, I can't really complain, as he said those lovely words about dear Velma, which I just listened to with, to quote Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Show, tears in my eyes. Um, and he did that little tribute all off his own back. So it just goes to show that if you can get behind the 
defensive barriers of the inches of makeup and the words that he has honed to keep humans at a distance, he really just gives a massive shit. Hashtag kindness from Kay. So let's get into it. My guest today is a tour de force, singer, comedian, actor, writer, trans activist and current favourite enfant terrible of the British tabloids. From performing in heavy metal band Silent Feedback as a kid in her mum's pub, aptly named the Orsett Cock, she recently became the first transgender woman to have her own show at the historic London Palladium. Is it a bird? It sure is. She's my guest today. Come to Daddy Jordan Gray. Hello, Reuben Kay. That was wonderful. No one's ever mentioned my band in an intro before, and I'm really grateful because I that was good memories. It's I think being in a band is a really formative um, experience for any artist, yeah. whether or not they're whatever they're in. It teaches you so much. It was I was plucked out of obscurity in the most cliche way. They, they were a death metal band, rawr, 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 but they had no singer, and I did Billy Jean's. Michael Jackson's Billy Jean for the Year Ten Talent Show, and the guitarist from the band came up to me at lunch one day and said, "All right, Jordan, we've uh, <laughs> we've noticed you around. Do you uh, do you want to come and do your Michael Jackson shit over the top of our music?" <laughs> that was verbatim what he said, and I was like, "Yes, I would love to do that, Adam." <clears throat> and then they were just, you know, firm firm friends, a band of brothers for four or five years, and there wasn't much to compete with, so we were the best band because there wasn't many other bands. But then when you've got your own purpose-built venue, my mum's pub. Then you are, you know, you've, half the work's done. Jordan Gray, Nepo baby. You heard it here first. <laughs> the most lowest class, working class <laughs> Nepo baby ever. I just can't get over the fact that someone, there's a bluntness and a, an absurd comedy in the phrase, do you want to come do your Michael Jackson shit over yeah. our death metal band? It, it sort of had a bit of a feeling of, I don't want to admit that I like Michael Jackson, so yeah. I'm going to say it's that Michael Jackson shit. It's a great combo that sets you up for a career in comedy, isn't it? Death Metal and Michael Jackson. Yeah, I very quickly learned that m what they really wanted was for me to growl incoherently. So I spent hours and hours writing lyrics that I was really proud of, but you can't hear a word I'm saying. Mm. I won't do it now because it it's not a pleasant sound. But, no. Um, no. Hey, what are you doing here in Oz? Doing the old international... Melbourne Comedy Festival International. How's it is, going? That's how international it is. It's all right, thanks. It's really nice. I'm here. I'm 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 doing my show. Is it a bird that took off at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? It's really nice because you were there and you were really nice to me. You remember all that? We brought the K Hall my lineup show to Edinburgh 2019, I think, or 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one. Yep. Um, and you came on. You were yeah. one of our first guests there. And I remember seeing you there and you just tore the roof off the place. That's so sweet. And it's we just so went, nice. you're a star. It wouldn't have, it, it, it's like it's not a purpose built, let me think of the best way to say this. It's not an act that you can just take anywhere and it's a cookie cutter. It needed to be um, nurtured by those nights. So yes. if I hadn't, if it hadn't been the K-hole that I did first, I might have lost my bottle and not done it. Right. And it's so nice to be able to say that because, you know, it's like when you are gen like this is a this is a really general sweeping generalization. But when you are getting a lot of attention and you are held up on a bit of a pedestal like like you are and like I feel I have been, um, it's like there's there's a responsibility with that. But it's so nice when you're one of those people to be able to actually talk about another person that you admire and are mm. in awe of. And it'd be sincere and there's nothing else to it. It's like I have something to aspire to. And if I didn't have you to aspire to, I might have become very jaded and disillusioned. But I'm like, but Ruben oh, Kay's right. out there being a star horse. 
That's how I describe you to everyone. I always say you're sort of like a, a moon stallion. Oh, yeah. I don't know why it's that two I love things. that. You are a stallion. I love that. Waxing and waning and looking yeah. for a saddle. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I just look, I always believe, I've always believed because I, um, I had a really rough time growing up and part of that was feeling really alone. Feeling really on. I still remember being like, how absurd is it that in school I was like the only gay kid or just the only gay human in that radius? Right. There were obviously had to be gay teachers. There had to be other gay students. And I felt so alone. And when I go to um, sometimes when I go to comedy gigs, a lot of that aloneness carries through an imposter syndrome or feeling like, oh, am I really a comedian in this? You know, I'm not right, just getting right. up and doing jokes or no one else has makeup on or I'm on an all straight lineup or something like that. And I just never wanted that to be the case when I was performing. Yeah. yeah I yeah. want to surround myself with like-minded people, queer people. I want to surround myself with people who have, um, who have this same transgressive joy in them. And the thing about your act that I love is it is transgressive. It is challenging for people. Um, but there is so much ridiculous, stupid joy uh, and, in, and that is inclusive. On stage, I love this, on stage you truly are like this mad combination of Evil Knievel, uh, Bowie and Nancy Wilson, right? That's amazing. That's a lovely thing to say. Thank you. Right? It's, you are wild and joyful and uninhibited. But like backstage at, at the K-hole, you were just this, I'm not going to get in anyone's way. I'm here. I'm shy. I'm oh, it's, you're so gentle. I'm very tall and lang gangly. Are you also clumsy like me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just like, I just don't <laughs> want to fucking break anything or hurt myself. Yeah, <laughs> so true. I don't want to accidentally turn and hit someone in the face with like my, my thumb or something. I'm so, I feel so tall and gangly all the time. And then when you're transgender as well, there's like an extra bit of like, oh, maybe, I, you know, that in it's it's something we need to shed, but like be petite and, mm. and sort of graceful. I'm not, but I love not being graceful on stage. I feel like a, a squid that has learned how to walk on stage. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Nope, I've already done that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Gray, we nope, it's gone, it's gone haywire. I'm a professional. Uh, we start off with a parental questionnaire. Quick fire answers, please. Names of parents? Simon Gray and Terry Ollie. Terry Ollie is fabulous. It's great, isn't it? That's, That's great. Really nice. Ages of parents? 61 now, and I think. 60 this year something like that 1662 i'm not sure 100 nice. where do they live in all over the place my mum, like all over and my dad is from yorkshire but he lives in essex where i'm from lovely that's where my storage container is really yeah <laughs> nice. I know, Maybe it's... my dad's living out of your storage container <laughs> i don't know exactly where he lives. he's he's gonna be dressed fabulously <laughs> if he's living in my storage container uh the big question number three how much do you blame them for how you turned out in a percentage i actually think in a positive way, I probably blame blame them ninety five percent, but isn't but I'm all right. I don't. I think I'm all right as a person, so I blame them a lot because I think they did a good job. So tell me about mum and dad, please. <laughs> what are Terry and Simon like as people? I love them both. They're very very nice. Separated when I was eight, and I only realised as I get into my thirties what that actually means. Like I can't do lots of things because I only got half a. Male influence and half a female influence. So that's just such a general thing to say. But I, had to yeah, ask no, but I like, I like, I like yeah. how little responsibility that gives to you. 
Right. I enjoy that. Right. Yeah, I yeah. can't do this because of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't use the top-down washing machine in my hotel, which is easier than a normal washing machine. Um, my, my you do strike me as a front-loader, though. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I like it. <laughs> I think I probably am a front-loader. Um, so mum's mum is, uh, she was the first. That, right, in London we had the, the hate crime campaign in, like, the early 90s. Or maybe late nineties, um, where hate crime became a, a thing, like a, a phrase that was used and a, a, a campaign to combat. She was the lesbian on the panel, the multi-sexual, multi-ethnic right. panel. She was the the lesbian. It's really cool. Um, so, and she's done everything. She she carried me through the gates of Disneyland Paris as the very first baby to go through the gates because she worked for Disney when it opened. So there was a staff thing. So that's her, one of her favorite things to tell me. I was the first little Disney baby. The first baby you were breaking Disney. down barriers yeah. even as a child while you were still on the teat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And while watching <laughs> It's a Small World after all going in. It was. It was a small, small, small world. Um, she, so she's awesome and she's also done everything under the sun. She's been a bouncer and a hairdresser. and a, um, She owned the bar that we've spoke about. Uh, yeah. I love that. So she was a bouncer. She owned a pub. She worked at Disneyland. When did you become aware that she was a lesbian? When, oh yeah, when That's how you pronounce they, it basically. Yeah, <laughs> close all the vowels up like that. Like lit. That's Australian. I did it Australian is. for the first time in four weeks. You've done so like well. That. <laughs> oh, I like that hat, mate. That's my way of getting into Australian. Um, <laughs> she, she, she came. She, they divorced. My dad and the old mum and that. The two of them. Those, was, those was the only two people involved in the divorce. Yeah. And then there's lots of nice ladies that would show up around. And they were especially friendly because they sort of had to be, didn't they, to ingratiate themselves mm-hmm. um, bit by bit. And then I think, I'll tell you, this is a weird way of finding out. I found a copy of Boys magazine um, because she she was a bouncer at the uh, LGBT bar. Uh, and that was a, a raffle prize that she'd give away. But that was me finding out. I was seeing all these willies in this magazine. I was like, wait, that can't. Oh, that's, it was like adjacent. This is a magazine that's about boys for boys. My mum's not a boy, but, oh, I get, maybe she's part of that lifestyle because otherwise why would she have this magazine? You had to Poirot your mum's <laughs> yeah. coming out in the most convoluted yeah. way. Sherlock Holmes. I was, <laughs> I've riffed that. That's a five out of ten, but I'll take it. That's great. No, I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, so growing up in Essex. It's all right. It's hard. I had a big ginger afro, which doesn't help. And I wish I'd kept it because it would look great now. I imagine it was difficult because you transitioned also like quite young. I suppose relatively young. There's there's two Not different as... kinds. There's there's trans. It's it, uh, they, they like to talk about trans people in terms of trans kids and late life transitioners. And I okay. guess that means anything outside of college. Right. So I went through all the way through college. I had tw- 21, 22 sweet, sweet years of male privilege, which is a weird thing to then in any conversations now, I have to always be aware of that in terms of deconstructing how I talk about okay. stuff. So I don't feel a full ownership of it. Oh. Not the, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a learning process. It's the best thing about being transgender. We actually have to make, we have to question ourselves in ways that other people n- never even get to. Mm. So it's quite nice. But yeah, it was really odd. And I was a nerd and I loved being a nerd. As you know, it's like top set kid, which means you get bored really fast. But I didn't do anything naughty either. So I wasn't even cool. I didn't, I didn't smoke and smoke as if that's the only thing that's cool. Um, but then I was in that band and that changed everything. Uh, and just girlfriends forever. Girlfriends for days. Never yeah. like so many. So, so, so many. And then transitioning and then found the one that I love. It takes, you know, so how long it takes to when you are yourself. So there's no mm. mask. And then you just, you know, 
met my wife, Helly. Um, there wasn't that many in between. At what age did you meet Helly? 25, I think. Yeah, just before oh. I did The Voice in 20... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2016. So 2015, I met her. Uh, so I'd only been transitioned for four, four years or something like that. And I'm guessing in Essex, how was transitioning? Were you quite visible about it? Yeah. I didn't have anything to compare it to. So it, there was no... There was no um, back and forth. It was one day, earrings, and then never anything less than that. So it just it was incremental, augmenting every single day. Never one pronoun with one person and one with another. It was just so from today. A continual advancement. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. It's a fucking trend that you have continued in your life. Every time I see you, it's another thing on top of. It's another advancement in. It's a trajectory. I guess we. How are your parents? Because you seem so strident in in all of your life and in your transition, how were your parents with it? Mum was great because it, it was fully a conversation. I went into the garden, she was sitting with a partner at the time and I said, I think I'm transgender. I don't think I even said that word. I think I was like, I'm going to live my life as a woman now. And she was like, oh, what sort of woman are you going to be? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting question. And I didn't know that was that's like a, a great yeah, response. Well, lovely, yeah, really nice. And then we focus on the important thing. Yeah, but our reference at the time was like the five archetypes, which as we all know is <laughs> ginger, sporty, posh, <laughs> baby, <laughs> and scary. So I was like, I think I'm posh. I think I'm a posh one. Um, but it, what a lovely way of saying it. Yeah, that was very quick. Oh God, imagine if you'd been baby. I, I couldn't handle being baby. Just pictures, baby doll dress, yeah. all pastels. Um, how was dad? He was great. Um, and I, I noticed um, in some of the research that was sent to me for the show, there were some lovely quotes that I remember saying. Right, so I think at some point in the interview I said that he he was on board, but he didn't quite understand, so he painted my guest room pink. <laughs> I can't remember if I said that as a joke to an interviewer and they've taken it seriously or if that really happened. <laughs> I, I do remember him being incredibly accommodating and he showed up He showed up one day with loads of makeup. So he was nice about it, my dad, but it took... Uh, it was I was scared to tell him because he's not of the community, but it was it was a quick turnaround. And now, you know, like... It, like I guess like a lot of dads, that's again a generalisation, but he's really proud to be able to demonstrate his support. Did your parents worry about you taking yourself into such a mainstream environment like The Voice, so visible in both the UK and in Australia? They, they, um, they <clears throat> I think with a lot of parents, their big fear is whether or not you're happy and they'll often say that. When it really boils down to it, it's like, well, it's just that they feel like they've failed if their kid's miserable. It must be terrible mm -hmm. if you have a child and you don't know why they're upset. Um, and I was so happy about the whole thing. That's always felt like my responsibility is to make sure that even if I'm not happy, this is a terrible thing to admit because they will probably listen to this podcast, is that even if I'm not happy, I make sure I let them know that I'm happy mm. because that's more important to them than anything else. Mm. But at the time, I was so happy. They were probably like, this is great. This is <laughs> it's only when um, the the comments started appearing on on videos and stuff uh, and they don't they, they were unable to divorce themselves ironically from the um from the, that content and not take it personally mm. I, straight away i was able to be like well you know they're not talking about me they're talking about an idea of something that they don't like they know none of these people know me but they read it as how quickly from receiving that comment were you able to make that separation like six days and then since then never anything at all has ever affected me the things that upset me now is if a comedian i like says something which I don't think has ever happened but I do imagine if a comedian I like was to be like that's a bit hack what you just said uh, that'd kill me because I'm like but you're the, a, a real person you're a good person yeah. you're a real person you do things that I like um but people online I mean if they say nice things <laughs> oh we believe the isn't nice it things. weird though that is the thing though and we might have had this conversation we might not but 
I can't handle, I can handle compliments, but they don't hit, but insults don't hit either. So you get, I'm a, my baseline is very boring. I um, love a compliment <laughs> and I will take Stop it. the clock. I- <laughs> Justin. <laughs> I love them. And I, um, but the thing that obviously we all take them with a grain of salt when we read them, but I do think people have taken time to write them yeah. in. But what I like in my shows, and I imagine you get them as well, is um, you might get a DM from someone who's going through a rough yeah, time. Yeah, that's the best. It's horrible that it's the case. It's, but no, it's but the they've had a wonderful yeah. experience. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So you only started, getting back on track, you only started the comedy performances. The comedy performances. <laughs> Speaking like a grandma. It's, it's lesbian and comedy performances are in the same bracket for some reason. The lesbian the comedy lesbian performances. Comedy. That's the voice you go to for those things. Unlimited in range. <laughs> Thank you for pinpointing it. <laughs> you only started the comedy performances in 2018. You've struck success so fucking quickly. Within five years, headlining the London Palladium and having an ITV sitcom. How are you even breathing, you bitch? Uh, sh- shallowly <laughs> with anxiety at the impending. You know, I'm terrified of... Uh, thank you so much for replenishing my water. I'm sort of a little bit scared of mediocrity mm. um, because it feels like um, a, a, a trap. Like, it doesn't feel safe to be average and normal. So I, I get really anxious if things aren't spiking my excitement all the It's time. a very interesting thing to hear because a lot of people are normally afraid of failure. But to be afraid of mediocrity yeah. is a very different, very nuanced thing because one of them means you don't have to try, mm. right? If you're afraid of failing, you don't actually have to try because yeah. if you don't try, you don't ever. Yeah. But to be scared of mediocrity means you are constantly working, constantly trying. Part of my remit is definitely um, that I'm on the front line of what I guess in England we'd call it Middle England, so just the broadest possible audiences, but not to... I'd never want to make any, I'm really, actually, I'm not there to educate is like fifth on the list. I am there to educate, but not, that's the fifth um, thing on the agenda. So there's never a sense that you have to really invest any brain power in what you're about to see. I think I figured out ways of getting that stuff in to people's brains. It's almost, um, uh, you're right. It's not at the forefront. It's not here I am going to teach you. It's here I am being a cock. Yeah. Here I'm being a fucking clown. A clown that you... That it, it just relaxes your tummy muscles. I'm going through your stomach rather than through a brain that's sort of got, you know, that's cut with all your trauma and your, your feelings about stuff. No, it's, your stomach's easier to get into. It, it reverberates faster. Um, but thank you. That's I, I am I'm trying to, I want to be the biggest 
thing to hit the planet since the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. So I want to be broad. So I want to be big and broad. Well, but. in many ways, you are killing a lot of dinosaurs. <laughs> oh my god, that's really cool. Never, why did I, I thought of the first half of that and didn't think didn't think of that pun? No, I'll keep that. Thank I you. I don't know. Sometimes just collaboration. Genius. Yeah. Genius. Oh no, sorry, collaboration. That's what it was. It wasn't. <laughs> the, the word is collaboration. <laughs> it is genius. It is genius. Just watching two narcissists meet and try and negotiate a path forward. It's very healthy when we realise what's going on in our brains in that way. There's people talk about narcissism and actually any any mental illness in inverted commas that you can pick out the DSM five. They talk about like a a cluster workaholism, B cluster workaholism. Nobody ever talks about say workaholism that's like it's healthy because your job is amazing like that for example like oh. there's one that affects your life negatively but you can handle it one that affects your life negatively because you can't handle it but what about if your job is like scuba diving with mermaids while doing cocaine it's what? like it's a ama- well maybe not cocaine because that's really bad for you <laughs> like, no i don't know it'll get soggy yes sure how are you gonna you can do tell that the water? you can tell that i've either never done cocaine or never scuba dived <laughs> i tell you it's the first one <laughs> scuba diving so dry <laughs> It was where I thought it was going to be. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, with narcissism, nobody talks about it when it's perfectly conducive to what we're doing and offers something to society. And also just good deserved. Us. What if it's just having a solid perspective on how brilliant you are? Right. Like when they talk about, oh, I'm so depressed because of outside influence. Yeah, because the influences that come in outside of you are awful. The world's oh, being bad yeah. right now. That's not an illness. Yeah. That's you don't accurate. need medication. We need to change the world. And that's something that no one told you you couldn't do. Oh, maybe that's the thing. Right, so you ever hear the story about the two little boys and one of them falls through the ice and the little brother, he jumps in and he saves his brother from the ice and it shouldn't have been physically possible. And then when they asked him why he did it, he said because nobody told him they couldn't do it. I've never heard that before. It's a really cool, like, story. If I'd known that, my brother would have lived. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Did your brother fall through some ice? (laughs) 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 But my little heart then just sank so so far. Oh, my God. If you'd have been able to pass that off as a bit of comedy, which I fully believe that you'd be able to do, I'd have been like, oh, my God. You've a full-on Johnny Cash situation with you. That's why you are who you are, because yeah. you lost a brother under some ice. That's it. Um, but right. I'm a tenor. <laughs> <laughs> right, hang on. Right, so that's the thing. Nobody told us that we couldn't change the world, maybe. Mm. So so we're doing it because that's we've got enough energy to do it. But also, I think as, as queer people... We get raised in a world that is often so unjust and so unfair directly to us that we have a real purview and instinct to want to change or at least an an adjustment in our mind to go, oh, this is unfair. Yeah. Because it all doesn't work for us. Yeah, a real sense of justice. Do you think your parents kind of instilled any of that in you as well in terms of a social conscience? Yeah. Politeness was very important, but not pathologically. It was real sincere pleases, thank yous, and and being kind to each other was really nice. And also very working class um, and a working class mentality of you get, you you earn what you have. Um, Community is really important. My dad works in a steel factory. Um, He actually runs a lot of the steel factories in a certain area of England, he's a manager and stuff. Mm. Just yeah. apart from that, Elvis impersonator? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He goes Steel pretty- Mill. Steel Mill Elvis impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's... Because he- I have, I'm just, just, just that, I have a suspicious mind. <laughs> Say another one. <laughs> Say another one. Um, they, he, yeah, so he, not singing, I have to really point that out and he'll point that out as well. It was Elvis 
dancing. Competitive eating. No. <laughs> competitive eating. He is the one of the biggest Elvis fans that there are, and everybody says that, but I'm not actually kidding. He runs Elvis themed weekends and he, he writes the quizzes and he knows everything. He's got all the records, everything. He's Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. But he used to be an impersonator, a dance impersonator, and it was like a televised performance. So he's been on TV doing it. And he used to, you could only enter it every other year, and he won every other year that you were allowed to wow. do it. Um, he's very, very good. And so his whole life is Elvis. So yeah, Elvis is a huge part of my childhood. And it is things like that. It's like having like that someone like that put on a pedestal. Hmm. Maybe that's genuinely, genuinely, my dad's probably listening. There'll be a bit of me that's like, my dad will love me more if I'm as good as Elvis. There is a and Elvis of... is like the biggest thing ever. But he truly is. Yeah. Elvis informs my vocal style. Right, right, right. He has this soft, dark baritone mm. with a gorgeous vibrato. Yeah. There's even parts of you and a snarl in you that I go, well, oh, that's an Elvis, Elvis moment. Thing. I have to say, while we're on the subject, my dad really enjoyed you on Transaction and the fact that you also just spoke about Elvis's voice in such a wonderful way. He, You're going to be his new favourite person. Oh. I'm sure you're out there anyway. Um, but yeah, like... Yeah, you're right. There is a darkness in Elvis's voice. I love that the the mythology of Elvis and stuff. So mm. I used to hold Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, Marilyn Manson, Meatloaf, Jeff Buckley, the, these these angelic figures up on pedestals, mm. um, and aspire to be those. And then fictional people as well, like Sherlock Holmes was up there for me, and Batman was up there for me. Like people that didn't exist, but they, I had to still aspire to be as yeah. good as them. Never, never lost that. It was always villains. Yeah. Always villains for me. I was like an, an eight-year-old walking around school twirling an invisible mustache, and like <laughs> that's so cool. Wanting, and like always imagining I had capes. Dastardly. Yeah, yeah dastardly. I was. If I knew yeah. how to tie ropes, I would have been tying someone to a railroad track. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so cool. You seem to me to be like the least one of the least combative people. Um, <laughs> what the fuck did you say? <laughs> Sorry about the chair squeaking. No, I'm I'm into it. It's prop comedy. Because um, I don't I don't think I get half as many ignorant opinions as you must get. Uh, and how do how do you combat that? I just thought of I've got an answer that also includes you. You'll be happy to know because I love talking about you. Um, like right, so I feel like a cartoon most of the time, but there's different kinds of cartoons. Uh, it's like I'm. I, I move so fast metaphorically that nothing really hurts or hits me at all. And I'm just, but, but what comes with that is you have to give away a part of yourself with what I've seen you sometimes when you, it's not that someone said, and I've never seen like homophobia happen at a show. It's not that space in the K-hole, but I've seen maybe when you've been talking to someone that, and they didn't give you what you wanted or maybe, and you have, I think, hope I get this right. Cause I mean it as a compliment, but there is a sort of a joker smile that creeps across. And it's like, maybe like that villain thing that you're talking about. It's like, I could, I'm not going to, but I could destroy you right now. <laughs> and it's, this is, the, yeah. that's the control. It's me going. Yeah, the control it is that just... the outside becomes perfectly, it is the best, as happy as I'm going to give you, this is not a problem, but it is the Joker smile. Mm. I remember seeing so many queer performers, as I'm sure you have, who were mean and bitchy and right. cruel. The as... vitriol that, and it's, there's, sorry, go on, I keep interrupting you. but No, 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 yeah. no, you welcome. It's, it, and we've seen drag queens like that years and years ago. It's a real style. Um, and I just think it's a trauma response. I I am so conscious of it because growing up with my mum and it was all drag queens all the time, that that was like a whole life because she worked at these bars and it was it was wonderful. But that style, and I think that's why I am the way I am, 
never I, I am what I no, am no, ironically no. because of the I am what I am song I have never I don't have an ounce of sassiness or or what's the word there's no fierce I'm not anyone's like queen yeah I don't have it I haven't got that energy because being transgender that people would confuse me with that I'm like well that's I'm, you're not going to get what you want if you assume to me to be a queen a drag queen you're not going to get it what you want out of this the experience. line between drag and trans, yeah. which people confuse all the They're time. They're confused. It's, it's a shame that it can't just... I understand why it just can't exist because it's the most wonderful thing and the influence has been wonderful, but I don't have a, a fierce bone in my body but what is for that reason. What is beautiful is that the kindness that you give people also gives them as much of it, if not a bigger laugh. Someone says something absurd in your show, which has happened many times I've seen in Edinburgh, yeah. and you look at them and you just go a bit befuddled, be like... Oh, I right, love you. Right, yeah, Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I don't know what that is, but yeah. you are you. I love it. And everyone yeah. goes, Wah! it's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be punished for coming to my show. But I, but that no. style of comedy that you're talking about, the, the punishing style, you can see where it comes from. And I don't want to have any trigger responses in me. No. And that's a hard thing to ask for. But I don't want anything that I do to be coming from a place that isn't in my control. We all yes. want that. Yeah. yeah, and you don't yeah. want to put the audience in a place where they suddenly don't uh, feel safe. Yeah, that's the main thing. The as, main thing. As queer performers, it's our purview for a queer audience, but also as a straight audience to demystify queer performers. Yeah, which still needs to be done oh, yeah. in this, the year of our Lord, eighteen sixty-four. <laughs> what year is it? Seventeen <laughs> thirty-three. I'm guessing by the politics. Sure. Hey, we're almost Hello. coming to the end, oh. but we have a little pick and mix. Pick and mix, pick and mix. It's time for us to do pick and mix. And today you have chosen, drum roll please, Amanda. It's quite hard. There's a lot of saliva on that microphone yeah, now. Sore tongue. Daddy, daddy, look, I'm doing a dive. Did you have any tactics to try and get your parents' attention? What's the goss? <laughs> My... Uh, I think maybe it comes. It's a bit in my show that maybe touches on it, but like my, my dad is the biggest Elvis fan, as we've discussed, and I used to always try to sing like Elvis when I was a kid. But before your voice breaks, and you try to sing like Elvis as a young boy, it comes out exactly like Cher. It's just Cher. <laughs> if you tell me an Elvis song, and I'll do it right now. What's an Elvis song? Um, oh my God! Um, Viva Las Vegas. Viva! <laughs> Fuck! My voice is gone. That was not Cher. Viva Las Vegas. It's like when it you're 14, is, you, have, you can't get that low, so it's just chair. Depressed larynx, space at the top, yeah. high tongue position. You know, I knew you would know I that love stuff. vocal. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it, I didn't realise that I was not hitting Elvis as hard as I thought I was for my dad, and he just <laughs> used to, like, he just never responded to it. Because in the pub we did karaoke mm. and he'd see me doing it, and I'd be like, look at me, Dad, look, I'm going to do it Elvis. Doing this one, one for my dad. <laughs> do you believe in love after love? <laughs> Do we think that Elvis didn't die, but he transitioned and is now Cher? Cher, I mean, I could believe that. Cher looks like she could have been alive forever. She's it's now changing. Amazing. I saw her on my 18th birthday. My friend bought tickets for me. Oh. And she did. This is so, uh, this is the fact I remember. 13 costume changes, oh 120 my. minutes. Wow. One every 10 minutes, plus <laughs> an extra for a baker's dozen. Oh, my gosh. Some of those must have just been sprayed on. It was, second. So as the documentary of it I love. Yeah. She walks into the costume change booth, which is on stage, centre stage, right. and she has two handholds that she holds on. Oh, wow. And people just strip her yeah. off and clasp it all back onto her. Oh, that's really cool. It's fab. <laughs> 
It's so unfair. What is a judgment call your parents have made that still sticks in your craw to this day? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, like, so I'd like to balance it out by saying something about my mum, but this is another dad's story. Um, he bought me once. I really, oh, I really, really wanted Little Mermaid on the Sega Mega Drive when I was a kid. <laughs> we went to a boot sale and it was the like. The clues a, were there. Yeah, it was a pound and it was like, they were all a pound. It was a boot sale. And. And I really wanted it. And he was like, no, <laughs> this actually is great. This really informs who I am. He said, uh, no, come on, Jordan. That's for girls. Get Batman, right? And we got home and it didn't work. It didn't work. The cassette didn't work. So not only did I not get the one I wanted, like it was almost like the universe was like, they, they you got what you deserved. You got what? I didn't get anything I deserved. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, but, but look, also possibly, about Batman. So. Yeah, possibly seeded. Seeded the idea. This. Yeah. So, but bless him. That was just a, that was just a fatherly judgment call from a Yorkshireman. I love that. A boot sale. <laughs> we are reaching, I mean, the final hurdle. This is the last canyon that Bart has to skate over <laughs> in this Skate. Is that right? No. Skateboard? He does skateboard. You're right. No, is it skate? Word. Is skate the verb skate. for skateboard? He this... was a skater boy. It isn't like, he was a skateboard boy. <laughs> so like, it's a skate. He skates. Yeah. I love that we could cure this with an Avril Lavigne lyric. You can cure anything with Avril Lavigne. She was my everything. She was my penicillin. Was she? Your, my polio your has not cleared so up. So the final, the final task, Hercules... Or Herculet. Herculon. Hercul- Herculon. <laughs> that sounds like an antidepressant. Yeah, it does. Ow. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's called Shall I Be Mother? Shall I Be Mother? Where you look into my eyes and imagine that I am your mum, Terry, your dad, Simon, or a scary science lab amalgamation of both <laughs> and speak from the heart. What would you say to your parents if they're in front of you now? Oh, well done for being nice to me because that's a really good thing and not everyone's nice to their children. Also, I'm really happy and I'm really, and I hope that you're really proud of me. I love you so much. <laughs> Jordan Gray, thank you so much for coming to Daddy. Oh, this has been so nice. It has been. You are a wonderful human. You're so nice. Human? Um, <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> you are everything. You are the Where can people find you? Here. Oh, wait, I've forgotten how time works. (laughs) Um, You can find me online at Tall Dark Friend, which was my stage name after Silent Feedback. I was Tall Dark Friend for 10 years. That's why I'm called Tall Dark Friend on everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And I'm around. I should be back here next year, I think. I'm going to do all of Australia and New Zealand in 2024. Great. Yeah, just everywhere. Um, You can find me... Uh, on the street corner, in the gutter, looking at the stars. I've been Ruben Kay. Jordan Gray, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This has been brilliant. Thank you for coming, dude. This has been <laughs> it sounded like you said, thanks for coming, dude. <laughs> That's, That's cool. what I said. I'm a massive, bruh. <laughs> thanks for coming to Daddy. More episodes coming soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.